What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You know what I've missed most about sports since we've been sheltering in place? Just going to a spot and watching a game with friends. It's just not the same watching it at home. Even when the Warriors are winning, I just, it's just not the same. But luckily, the Athletic Club Oakland, they've got our back. Did you know they shut down the entire side street next to them just to create the town gardens? The spot is amazing. It's got TVs everywhere, comfortable seating. It's got their full food and bar service. I mean, this place is dope. I went the other day with Bram, and officially, it's our go-to spot for all sports, especially the dubs. So hopefully we'll see you there. And as a special thank you, if I see you wearing a Warriors Huddle shirt, next beer is on me. The Athletic Club Oakland. That's where sports fans can finally be sports fans again. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. This is Five Golden Questions, a collaboration between the Locked On Warriors podcast and the Warriors Huddle podcast. I'm Wes Goldberg, the host of Locked On Warriors. I'm here with Bram Hillsman, the host of Warriors Huddle. And we're doing what it is that we do here on Green Room every Thursday at noon. Uh, we're going to talk about the five most pressing questions uh, dealing with the Warriors. And we're going to change it up a little bit today. Um, we've got two or three questions that we're going to cover that we pre-prepared and are going to go through. And then we're going to open it up to uh, listeners. We're going to answer two or three listener questions. So if you want um, to ask a question, you don't have to do it now. You have some time to think about it, think it over, make a really good one, and then uh, request to speak here on the Green Room app and we will get to you. Uh, of course, you can find us on Green Room every Thursday at noon, like I said, or you could find the podcast version of this over on the Locked On Warriors podcast feed or the Warriors Huddle podcast feed. And if you're not, if you're listening to this on a podcast feed, download the Green Room app on any iOS device, log in, create an account, follow us here, and then uh, join in next week. So let's get to it, Bram. The first question that we have here um, is, I think, the most topical of the players who have worked out this week. We're recording this again in the afternoon on Thursday. Davion Mitchell is working out for the Warriors as we speak. As is, and Moses Moody, Kai Jones, and Jalen Johnson. It's just like this clutch sports trio that's traveling the country together. Uh, they'll be also working out for the Warriors today. And then on Wednesday, Florida's Trey Mann, LSU's Cam Thomas, and then we've got the G League Ignite guy, Isaiah Todd. And then there's other guys, Quentin Grimes, uh, and Sean Highland, LJ Fugiero. Those guys, all, that, that's the group that we know worked out for the Warriors this week. So among, of those players, I should say, 
who are you most excited about? And that's a key way that I phrase that, Bram. Let me back up and first say, having seen the questions that we're going to cover, and I'm fired up for them. I mean, there's some great stuff that's uh, down the line here. But saying that this is the most topical one, it could not be more of an understatement. I, I'd say this might be the only topical <laughs> one, and I'm excited for it. Um, who am I most excited for? So the way that you have phrased that is going to change my answer. Um, the guy I'm most excited for is the Moody workout. Uh, his name seems to be rocketing up draft boards. He's one of those players where the mock draft started. He was borderline lottery. Now we're seeing him associated as high as the number seven. So any information we can get on him excites me, and I'm on board for it. I'm going to give you more information that you asked for. Who's the person who I want more information? Like if I could pick one mm. of these players and only get information on them, it would be Davion Mitchell. And I know that's not sexy. Like I, I know that that's a, a straightforward and probably expected answer. But Wes, I'm like manic depressive when it comes to Mitchell. You know, you catch me in the morning and I am positive that he's exactly what they need. He's a champion, defensive-minded guard, cool nickname, which I'm always on board for, right? Seemingly ready to immediately contribute. It's who I want. And then you wait a few hours, you know, late that afternoon, I'm the exact opposite side. He's an older guy. He's only six feet. We might be overvaluing a single tournament run, which I never like. And so for as long as I'm stuck in this like yin-yang, I don't know how to feel, the more information we can get on Davion, the better, you know? So that's, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping we get something. Generally speaking though, and I'll defer to you on this, like the workout, it's not like we get anything that really moves the needle, you know? I mean, chances are is what we'll hear is he came in and really impressed everybody and looked good. And that's all we'll actually receive, you know? Uh, they'll also do obviously the interview. Um, I think that the, the Davion Mitchell workout might just be him shooting 200 three-pointers and then the Warriors tracking how many of those that he makes, right? Because I don't really know uh, what else there. You watch the tape on Davion Mitchell and look, th there's an interesting thing happening with Warriors Twitter. And when I say interesting, I don't mean interesting. I just mean uh, kind of frustrating, if anything. Uh, the, the internet, Warriors fans on the internet hate Davion Mitchell. I, I don't know what it is, but they have all ganged up and decided Davion Mitchell would be the worst possible choice uh, for the Warriors at number seven. He'd be the worst thing that happened to Golden State since Jacob Evans or some, or name a better example. Um, I, I don't really understand it. I'm not, and now I've kind of gotten this reputation of being in the bag for Davion Mitchell where all I'm trying to do is defend ground and just say, no, this guy deserves to be in consideration for number seven. And in my mock drafts, I've taken him at seven only because I think he's the best option there. But uh, when you watch him play defense, he is so much further along. And we could talk about what it is that other guys may be able to provide on the defensive end. We could talk about length and wingspan. All I know is when I watch Davion Mitchell play, I don't care about size. Uh, he gets into guys. He's ridiculously strong. He's Marcus Smart. And he's Marcus Smart right now. I, I don't. And it's so funny to me that Warriors fans for two years have been saying trade for Marcus Smart, and now you have Marcus Smart 2.0 just sitting there for you at seven. Everybody's like, the hell with this guy. I don't want him. So I just find it uh, incredibly frustrating and and inconsistent by Warriors fans. Um, unless you're a Warriors fan listening here, then you don't then you don't uh, count. 
And that's so, right. The, yeah, I, the yeah. name I think you should use instead of Jacob Evans, our go-to, you know, shit the bed draft guy here in Golden State is Todd Fuller, right? That's the oh, uh, yeah. the Kobe Bryant mistake. And the thing that's hella funny about the Davion Mitchell people, chances are, if, like, if we took the time to go into their Twitter account and looked back a little bit, one thing I guarantee you they probably were saying is trade Wiseman. Why? Because he wasn't ready to immediately contribute, you know? And that's what Davion Mitchell can do. So there, there is some upside to this guy. And upside's the key thing there, too, because if there is a guy – so I, I, I think Davion Mitchell has a relative amount of upside. I think we're underrating what his upside is. I don't know that he's going to be a superstar in this league, but I don't know that anybody at seven is going to be a superstar in this league. That's the thing. We're not talking about, well, should they take Cade Cunningham or Davion Mitchell? That's not what I'm talking about. It's, it's at, of, of the people at seven, I just don't know who has a substantial amount of upside that you feel good about that it would be worth taking. The Olympics, Euros, baseball, major championships, and concerts are all in this summer. You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. Tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Their fourth-generation performance package includes the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold? Fellas, do right by your balls and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com with the code FANSIDED20. Now, maybe you've decided to completely forgo trimming below the belt based on the fear that you'll nick your nuts, but I've got to tell you that the thing I've enjoyed most post-quarantine is jumping into the pool for some laps, an activity you certainly don't want tarnished by the errant pube sticking out the side of your weasel squeezer. As the pools start to open up, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to help you get ready. So grab your 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Achieve pubic glory this year with Manscaped. And that's what makes the Moses Moody workout to me so interesting. This is a guy who is long, has a... Uh, in height and wingspan, six seven, almost a seven foot wingspan. Knocked down a bunch of threes, even though people are overrating his three point shooting a little bit in college. It was, it wasn't like he was shooting forty five percent in college, right? He was shooting closer to thirty eight percent, I believe. And again, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I think that's that's accurate. Um, but uh, if you're looking for the guy who's closest to Mikel Bridges, Moses Mooney is is on the list of guys who can do a uh, uh, um, uh, who, who might be able to follow in those kind of same footsteps because he can slot in for you on the wing, which is an area of need for the Warriors. We know that you surround Steph with what? Big, long, athletic wings. And that's Moses Moody. And I think that he'd be a really interesting pick at seven if you think his upside is actually um, something that you can tap into and tap into relatively soon in the same way that Phoenix was able to tap into Mikel Bridges' upside, Right. Mikel Bridges in these finals has been most, he's had a couple of stinkers in Milwaukee, but I should say during the playoff run, he's been awesome. And if you think you can get that kind of production from Moses Moody within a couple of years, then I, I have no problem taking him at seven at all. It seems to be a little bit of a reach based on some of the big boards that the experts have put together. But if, if the Warriors are really comfortable with Moody at seven, I just don't know how much you're going to learn from him in this workout. Like you're going to do the interview. He's going to be very practiced. Like I said, he's a clutch sports guy. So you, you expect those guys to be prepared for the interviews in front of Bob Myers in the front office. Um, they'll run them through shooting drills. They'll run them through hand, uh, um, you know, 
uh, ball handling drills, passing drills, all those things. Um, I've watched a little bit of tape on Moses Mooney, not a ton. I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched every Moses Mooney game. I think, I think there's, a, there's upside there, certainly. I just don't know how the Warriors exactly feel about Moses Mooney. But he's exciting, right? This is a, it's a good that they're bringing him in. There, I mean, you hear the term positionless basketball. Um, a lot. We saw it with the Warriors death lineup. You know, the two things have really come out of the NBA over the last ah, seven, eight, nine years. It's shooting the three and it is positionless basketball. Really what that's referring to is swingmen who can guard almost every position and can shoot from the corner or wide open threes. Moody's upside encapsulates exactly that, you know? So if, if what we are saying is we've identified an archetype who could help in any system, especially the warrior system. Yeah, of course I'm interested. Absolutely interested. Is, is there one guy Wes in this draft? I mean, like I'll, I'll go first. It's an impossibility, but there's at least a small, small chance. Scotty Barnes falls. That's my wet dream in this draft. You know, I, I know <laughs> Cade Cunningham isn't coming here. I know Suggs is not going to fall. You know, there's guys that that's absolutely impossible. But the thread the needle maybe moment for me is Scotty Barnes. Is there a guy for you in this draft, you know, like that, that might happen that you think Warrior fans should be fired up for? Yeah, I'm trying to think of the way that Scotty Barnes could fall, right? It would be something like Kaminga goes five to Orlando, or maybe Orlando falls in love with like James Booknight, and they, and they just grab mean. him yep. at five. And then, and then uh, Oklahoma City there is sitting there at six, and they're like, you know what? Let's go ahead and take Scotty Barnes or let's take Kaminga because of the upside. And then Scotty Barnes falls to seven. That would be the way it happens. I just have a hard time seeing at this point Barnes being the one to fall because everything that you hear is Barnes is the riser of the draft and Kaminga might be the guy who falls. And in the, in the chat here, Thomas Perrette writes in, what do you think the Warriors should do if Kaminga is available at seven? I really don't know what you do there because the upside – I think Jonathan Kaminga maybe has the highest upside in this draft outside of maybe Jalen Green. Like that, it might be higher than Jalen Green. Like if you really think about like absolute best case scenario, it's Kawhi Leonard, Dude, Jonathan I think, Kaminga. I you have to take him. I mean, it'd be like finding kinda, like yeah. like a hundred dollar bill um, that's in yen. You know, like in San Francisco, like we wouldn't know exactly how to use Kaminga, you know, the same way I wouldn't be able to use foreign money if I found it on the street in the city, but it's a hell of an asset, you know, and like there's, you can't just walk by it. You've got to pick it up. If Kaminga falls, they've got to take advantage of it. Even if all that means is they offer that asset to somebody else and they use it as a trade package, you know? Um, Yeah. At seven, if Kaminga's there, maybe you just trade back, right? Kaminga, there's so much, there's... There's a lot of anti Kaminga stuff happening right now. He's still one of the best six or seven prospects in this draft, no matter who you ask, right? And so the, if, if the Warriors are sitting there, Kaminga's on the board at seven, and, and they say, you know what? Somebody's going to want this guy. Somebody is going to want that guy. They're gonna, there will be an opportunity to trade back. And if that's the case, maybe all you're doing is trading back one, two, three spots, and that's it. And then you're able to go get a Davion Mitchell or a Moses Moody or a Franz Wagner or something like that. But, yeah, this idea that they would be able – that they would pass on Kaminga, you know, I, I, I think you take him or you use that as an asset to move, or you just say, you know what, I'll just take this guy. And best case, uh, best case scenario, we have a dominant bully ball type of wing, which is exactly the kind of player teams are wanting. I just, um, yeah, I think the anti Kaminga stuff has been a little too strong. I don't love his fit in golden state. He's a ball stopper. He's extremely raw. I don't know that they even have the resources to tap into that potential with the warriors. Like he's not going to get the playing time that he needs. 
Uh, but oh, I think Kaminga, as just a prospect, is getting a little bit too much. Uh, there's a little too much anti-stuff with him right now. Kaminga on the Warriors roster would make me nervous all year next year, Wes. The entire time. The yeah. same way Wiseman did. You know, like, are we developing him? Who's this guy becoming? But he's just too valuable. You you can't allow an asset like that to slip by. You get that opportunity, you take advantage of it. And then you figure it out. You know, you figure out how you fit him in, hopefully. A couple other guys that I want to talk about before we move on to our next question. Um, Trey Mann and Cam Thomas worked out for the Warriors yesterday. We spoke with them in the media setting and on a Zoom call um, Wednesday uh, night. And um, of those two guys, I think I I like everything about Trey Mann more than Cameron Thomas, and and yet I kind of like Cameron Thomas more, and I don't know why. I I just he, to me he's like smaller TJ Warren, and I just I always love those kinds of players, those just like vintage bucket getters who just don't really care. They'll just throw a shoulder into somebody and move on. Like Trey Mann to me could be like I don't know, he could be Jamal Murray or he could be like Kobe White, and I just I don't know where he falls. So I don't know. I think Cam Thomas might be safer somehow. Did you say you talked to them? Have you? We talked. Yeah. 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 Who's your? Who have you spoken to so far? Uh, Just just, Cam Thomas. How many of these guys have you have you had an opportunity to to see live? I mean, not not play, but speak. Of the guy on this list, just Trey Mann and Cameron Thomas, and then today, like later today, we're going to talk with Moses Moody, Kai Jones, and Jalen Johnson, Davion Mitchell. He's working out, but he's not going to be available to media today because he's got a flight for another workout that he has to get on right away. So At least that's what on, he's telling people. Put on your Bob Myers hat. So one of the I, I, yeah. Wes and I share a friendship off the air. One of the things I really like about Wes is his ability to read personalities. Also, you guys can tell he knows hoop, right? And he gets an opportunity to talk to these guys. So Wes, when you go in this, when you're going to be talking to, you know, you've already talked to some of these guys when you talk to them this next time, in the back of your mind, if you were Bob Myers, what would you be looking for as far as personality type? You know, yeah. what, what do you look for during these Zoom meetings? This is going to sound bad, but, and I don't mean this as a slight against James Wiseman, but I'm kind of looking for the opposite of James Wiseman because <laughs> I think James Wiseman is extremely intelligent. Like you could tell, like extremely intelligent. And he does pick up things relatively quickly, uh, but he is a little kind of deer in the headlights. I can't believe I'm here. He's a child. Like he's, 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 you could be in very intelligent and immature at the same time, and that's James Wiseman. I don't mean that in a like an immature bad way, right? Because we you throw that immature word out there in a, in, in professional sports, and people think you're you're knocking the guy, and that's not what I mean. I just mean that he was 19 years old for most yep. of the season and has a very very little big time basketball experience. That's what I mean by immature. Um, maybe inexperienced is a better word, but um, I would be looking for a guy who is more experienced, ha- carries himself with more assuredness, confidence, knows what it is that he's going to be doing at the NBA level. And this is the same reason why I keep going back to a guy like Davion Mitchell, because I haven't spoken with Mitchell, but I've watched several interviews with Mitchell and he just knows exactly what he is. And yep. I have no doubt that he's going to walk and he's 23 years old, which is helpful. He's going to walk into the NBA and just be like, I know what I can do here. You know, I'm going to be Marcus Smart. I'm going to go be Drew Holiday. I'm just going to go lock down other point guards and other bigger players. Like, people act like he can't – I'm going on a tangent here. People act like he can't like, – like that. the size is an issue that he can't lock down bigger players. He was the primary uh, defender on Cade Cunningham in two meetings. I think it was two meetings in college. Like, Cade Cunningham is 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, like, that's a big dude. Davion Mitchell's six foot with, without shoes. So, um, 
I just, that's, that's the kind of personality that I'm looking at in my conversations with Trey Mann, Cameron, or, you know, in the, in the press conference setting, Trey Mann, Cameron Thomas, they were fine. Like I, I, I wasn't blown away by their interviews. I, I, I think we do harp on the interviews too much. Like the LaMelo ball interview last year put a really bad taste in my mouth. And I was just like, this guy just doesn't get it. And it turns out he's the rookie of the year. I was completely wrong. <laughs> but, uh, but like, you know, I, I do think that Bob Myers very much values the interview and the character evaluation and all that stuff. We know this because he took Wiseman and, and that dinner, like I wrote about last year, really sold him on Wiseman. Um, I think that I think Davion Mitchell is going to kill it in the boardroom, right? He will absolutely kill it. Uh, I'm really interested to see what my impressions of Moses Moody and Kai Jones and Jalen Johnson are later today. Yeah, well, share them with us. I'm anxious to hear them. And let me both support you and give you a little bit of shit. Let's start with the support. That LaMelo Ball interview, I don't know if people remember it. I mean, it's gotten to the point where he may have tanked that interview on purpose. That thing was awful. The only explanation. Yeah, I mean, your, your take then was justified and continues to be justified. Let me support you on the immaturity thing, too, man. you got to look at somebody's age when you are evaluating how to use the phrase immature. If I've got a 19-year-old son, you ask me how he's doing, I say immature. We'll both nod. We know what we mean. He, you know, he'll grow up. He'll be fine. He's young. If I have a 45-year-old son, you ask me how he's doing, <laughs> I say immature. Different deal. You know, like what you've communicated in those two things are entirely different. Enough support. Let me give you some shit. I love that you began that sentence with, I'm not trying to say anything bad about James Wiseman. And then the very next sentence is, but what I'm looking for is the exact opposite. I'd like this person to do everything that Wiseman did not. I just like that paradigm. Nicely played. Um, in the chat, uh, Stanley Johnson writes, and Trey Mann has a weak handle and is not explosive off the dribble or off the bounce. Uh, Cam Thomas is far the better scorer and he's a freshman. The thing with Trey Mann is he had a growth spurt, but he still has really tiny hands. And that sounds like I'm nitpicking, but this is the reason I was out on Kobe White a couple of years ago. Is because Did you say his hands it are really sounds small. like you're nitpicking? You are, I mean, maybe this is a justified nit to pick, but you are definitely nitpicking if we're talking about hand size. Small hands, man. I went back and tracked <laughs> as far back. So in the combine, they actually do measure hand size and they've been doing it for several years now. And I went back and looked at how many guys with the hand size that Kobe white had ended up being good NBA players. And the answer was zero. Did you now, I'm not that saying up? that it's, it's, it's like the, the, the end all be all of whether or not you're a good NBA player or not, but it does have an influence on how you handle and, and secure the ball. And I, and so I agree, he's got a weak handle and probably because he's got tiny hands. That was the thing with Kobe white too. Is I think people like he could shoot, but he couldn't handle like, and that's the problem with him at the NBA level right now. They, they, they've been looking for a point guard because he's not it. You know, I think I saw that information on nitpick.com. So you're definitely right. Um, anything else on here before we move on? No, I mean, outside of, and I know I've already said this, but I'm going to underline it. We'll be back in a week. I want to hear your impressions. You know, I mean, when, after you talk with these guys, come back, give us some bullet points, see whether or not any of these guys are, uh, are anti-Wiseman. One other thing, the Isaiah Todd thing is interesting to me because most big boards have him, you know, by the expert analysts at ESPN and whatever, have Isaiah Todd outside the first round and Shams reported the other day that he's basically stopped working out for any team that doesn't have a lottery pick. So unless Isaiah Todd is trying to elevate his draft status or he knows something that we don't know or whatever, I don't, I don't know, but he's working. He, he worked out for the Warriors this week, six ten ish, um, you know, has a ton of, a ton of potential as like a, a, a floor spacing big 
super raw. Defensively, it just wasn't there in one year at the G League Ignite. But basically, everybody for that Ignite program, even Jalen Green at times, everybody struggled. Like, that was a tough situation for those, like, like 18-year-olds to try to go out there and, and compete against NBA players or, or, you know, at one point were NBA players, whatever. I mean, adults, it's really hard. It's a tough setting, especially compared to the college game and, you know, what they were doing in AAU before that. So I don't really – I think this is going to be a really interesting test case on the, that G League Ignite program and, and how viable those games were and, and how that uh, related to the evaluation of those players on draft night. I'm excited for the environment these rookies will have when they start in Golden State, whoever the rookies are. You know, and we, we look at last year, the second that Clay got hurt, everything got put out of whack. You know, Wiggins was playing in a position we didn't necessarily want him in. Suddenly Wiseman's performance meant way more to the overall success of the team. And they spent the entire year playing catch up, trying to figure out where the pieces should go uh, on the fly. This year, hopefully, if Clay comes back, even a semblance of his own self, there's going to be a lot more stability. You know, we'll, we'll have people in the positions they're supposed to be. And hopefully we won't have the same need or expectations for these young guys. So they'll be in a spot where they can, you know, they're given a little bit more leeway to actually develop and they'll be in a better position to do so. So I'm excited, man. We'll see. I don't know who it will be. There still isn't any kind of a consensus, but you know, the, the more information we get and the better position they're in, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next question. Um, this is your question. I'll let you, I'll let you lead it off here. Yeah. So what I love doing is uh, going back through coming up with questions that allow us to pseudo judge personalities. So here's the question this time of the current roster. Although if you want to cheat, let's, let's open it up to uh, the dynastic run. Anybody from the last seven years of Warriors basketball, which player do you think would is most likely to be an owner? Which player do you think is most likely to be a GM later in their life? And which player is most likely to be an agent? Let's start with owner, and I'll give you a second uh, to think, so I'll go first. So I think the best chance, I don't think anybody becomes an owner. You know, I mean, we're talking, you know, they're one of the most elite clubs on earth. There are so many billionaires out there who do not own teams. So the chances of one of these guys ultimately becoming an owner is remarkably small. But if I had to pick one, the best chance at it is Steph. You know, he'll make the money and he'll have the full support of the league. Everybody likes him. And I think they would welcome him in with open arms. But the guy I'd like to see, again, this won't happen, is Clay. Can you imagine <laughs> billionaire Clay in an open setting in like his own arena? There was recently some random ass picture of Clay dressed, God knows why, all in white, playing a tambourine, West. I, I don't care about pictures of other dudes in white. I certainly don't care about tambourine playing. I love that picture. I have no idea why. If we could get him in a setting on a night-by-night you know, -night basis, like, you know, give him the bomber seats and his own camera, I just think it would be an incredible Clay owner experience. So Steph most likely, Clay most entertaining. So I think Steph makes sense. If, if, if we can – if we also include like minority owners, like I could see Steph ending up with a, min a minority stake in the Warriors. Oh yeah, which he probably should already have. I mean, he built that arena basically, or even you know the Charlotte Hornets. I, I could see team. him having yeah. a minority stake in there. Um, I would also say though, so I think he's the most likely, but I don't think Draymond Green is far behind. Like I could see Draymond having a minority stake in the Detroit Pistons or something. You know what I mean? From his hometown. Like 
and, and wanting to get in. Draymond Green is this guy who you can tell, like, I don't really know what Steph's post basketball plans are. And I don't know that Steph knows what they are. Like he's so consumed by just basketball. And that's not to say that Draymond isn't, but there's obviously like a, a mogul quality to him, right? He's doing the TNT things. He's on the shop. He's like the LeBron James thing. Like he's out there. He's got a bunch of sponsorships. Like he's very much out there. He's trying to maximize his value. I could see Draymond trying to get a minority stake in some sort of team. And by the way, it might not even have to be basketball. Like Draymond can take a, he can get a stake in the Detroit lions or something like who knows, like a, a, who know, but I, I, I think that Steph, just because of how much wealth that he's going to accumulate is probably the most likely, but as far as temperament and just like motivation, I think Draymond really wants, cause he's also into that very, very much in the player empowerment camp. Right. And so he wants to have ownership, literally ownership over the sport. Um, and I could see him trying very hard after his career to get into an ownership situation. You just terrified me. So, I mean, the, the thing that I wasn't thinking about, partial ownership, great take. And what you're scaring me with now, the, the scenario I can see, especially with Draymond, is end of career. You know, Detroit wants to do something like change their culture. Uh, they wait till the current contract is up with Draymond. And they know that just money is not going to attract him out of Golden State over there. So they offer, you know, a little carrot at the end of the stick, a little uh, piece of ownership post-career, something like that, and it's the best mm-hmm. chance at why he may leave us. I hate that read, and I think it might be right. Same thing with Steph. Um, in in my in the, the portions of my heart I don't like to face, you know, it, like the things I'm most afraid of with Curry is I think he will at some point, I mean way far down the line, I think he wants to play in Charlotte, and I think you just outlined a way that they could lure him over there, you know, especially with his dad being a part of the franchise. I could see that going on. I, I hate this answer now. Wes, I like this well, question. I'll now push back. I hate you. <laughs> uh, drink for the everybody that's keeping track of. Uh, that's the first time Bram tells me that he hates me because of his answer. We're, we're good for one every, every Thursday. Oh, yeah. Keep um, that drink in your hand. It'll happen again. <laughs> the thing with Steph, and I'll push back here, Michael Jordan didn't need to play for the Charlotte Hornets to get a part uh, uh, a partial ownership stake and then eventually a majority ownership stake because he's Michael Jordan. Steph Curry's the same thing. It's like if, if somebody wants – like Dwayne Wade didn't need to ever play for Utah, right? But he got an ownership. Like when you're a superstar of that magnitude, you don't need to go that route. Draymond might need to go that route. So that's actually – yeah, I could see that happening. Um, what's the next Take one? Take us to the do? GM. Who okay. – what, what player is most likely to be a GM after their career? I'll let you go first on this one. This, is, this one's also Draymond Green yeah. uh, because he's – he kind of already is a little, he kind of, I shouldn't say that he fancies himself a little bit of a GM already, right? Like he is very open about the front office listens to me, in my opinion, when it comes to roster construction and draft picks. And they do like Joe Lakeup has told me point blank. Draymond Green is in the draft room. Like he, he walks in and he makes his presence known and his opinions felt um, or vice versa. But uh, I don't know how much they weigh, those opinions and that information. I think that it's part of, I think it's just, I think it's part of the web that they put together, right? Like every front office, every person or every person in that front office is empowered to basically put together their big board on draft night or before the draft. And Bob Myers just basically takes all those big boards, puts them in and uses those to craft his own ultimate and and the Warriors ultimately their big board. Um, So I'm sure Draymond, Draymond, it would not shock me if he's got an Excel spreadsheet somewhere listing 100 college basketball players and if like five of them played for Michigan State, but I, it wouldn't shock me if he did have that. And if he turned that, if he emailed that to Bob Myers at gmail.com, 
but it would, I, I, I think that Draymond would really enjoy trying to be a general manager. And I think that the basketball part of it, he'd be really good at evaluating players because he would just go get like the smartest players. He notices like little things in their game. Draymond and I actually share like very similar taste in player where we, we go with like feel and anticipation over just like raw athleticism. And I've made that kind of my, my shtick a little bit is that just because the dude's six, seven and has a 41 inch vertical doesn't mean that he's got more upside than the guy who's six, six and maybe is a little overweight or something. Like I, I think that Draymond looks at those qualities a lot. And I think those qualities make good basketball teams. But um, so I think you'd be good at that part. It's the other part of being a general manager, like dealing with personnel and not being an asshole all the time and like kind of all that kind of stuff that there would be a learning curve there. I, I, you've hit it out of the park. There's no question it's Draymond Green. Um, although what I think his perfect destiny would be within a front office would be the Jerry West role, you know, someone who right. is getting a ton of respect. They absolutely listen to him, but also he's not the bottom line. He's not the final decision maker. The thing I would be worried about with Draymond because his intelligence is unquestioned both on and right. off the floor. And he sees things within a basketball game that I could never see that most players could never see. And he could use that skill set to really help a team. And I, and I bet you that's culture wise too. I bet you he'd be pretty good read of personalities. The thing I'd be worried about is he would overvalue his opinion more than anything. And he would also, I think, hedge towards guys that other people are undervaluing because he was, you know? And so I think he'd, he'd take somebody in like a top five pick who you could have gotten at 25 just so he could show everybody, nope, you're undervaluing this person. So I'd, I'd be worried about that and you need some hedges. You know, you, you can't give him ultimate authority kind of deal. Right. Kent Bazemore <laughs> would be interesting because he's been on a lot of different teams, uh, has seen a lot of different kind of, uh, environments. That's the other thing with Draymond is he would just try to duplicate the Warriors and that never, literally it never works. Like that, whether it be trying to duplicate the Warriors or any other team, like you see this kind of all the time where somebody leaves one organization and just tries to copy and paste and it just doesn't work. So that would be my thing. Uh, Bazemore has been around a lot of different organizations. He's played for lousy ones like Sacramento who weren't well run, good ones like the Warriors and, and, and Atlanta when he was there that were well run. Um, Basemore could be a sneaky one. I just, I don't know if he like wants to do that, but he would like the be fringe great guy. Yeah. With the off the floor stuff, you know, I mean, the, all the, mm -hmm. the things that we said, Dre might not, might not be good with. If you came in with some kind of a team issue into uh Bazemore's office, I can see him smoothing that over seamlessly immediately. Uh, take me to the agent one. Right. So the last question of these yeah. guys, who could ultimately become an agent? Uh, and I had two names. So it's not the easy one, but in some ways the obvious one, and I'm not going to use it because you've already used his name, is Steph. And it's, it's because he already has developed friendships and networks everywhere. He is seemingly liked by almost everyone. And we know, you know, not so far beneath the surface, he is a competitive killer. So, you know, if, if given the opportunity to be an agent, I think he'd be a very good one. That's not my answer, though. My answer is Andre. Um, I, I think that he would have an understanding of the money behind this. Stuff. Andre Iguodala? Yep, Andre. I, I, he, I, doesn't, he, he doesn't play for the Warriors. 
Why? But that's why I opened it up to the dynastic team. And and for those of you still holding your drinks, go ahead and take another one because I now hate Wes for not listening to my clarification. I, I you know the dynastic team. I it's it's on. Oh. If you're looking for the current roster, it is Steph. Yeah, I wasn't listening to that part of the question. I thought it was the yeah, I could tell. Answer. Yeah, I could tell. No, and you kind yeah. of hurt my feelings because I felt like I phrased it really well. But I mean, I yeah, I mean, we can. Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, David West. There's your top three right there. Like all those guys would be awesome agents. By the way, not to keep repeating his name, Draymond Green, man. Like yeah. you, you try negotiating a contract with him. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so my only thing with Steph is you're absolutely right with all the things with Steph. My only pushback would be that. I think I think his relationships with front offices across the league, he could get a meeting with any front office for his client, whoever that client might be, all-star type of player, barely in the NBA type player. He could get a meeting with almost any team because he's so well-liked across the league. Clay Thompson, by the way, could do the same thing. Um, my only thing with Steph is all the other stuff that players want now to be a brand. Steph is a brand because he's Steph. And he's so unique and he is so just, uh, he's, he's just a really awesome basketball player. That's why he's a brand. He is not a brand because of the branding that he and his team have done. I would argue it's kind of the worst branding in the league. Like Under Armour still isn't cool. The commercials kind of suck. I don't really associate him with anything the way that I associate like LeBron James with certain things like brands and things like that. Uh, and so for that reason, I would be like, okay, Steph can, might, might be able to get these clients into the door, but I don't know that he could maximize his superstars because of his own track record. I don't think Steph has maximized his earning potential. I know he's got like a godfather offer from Under Armour, and that's why he stayed there. And there were reports that Nike almost lured him away and all these things. Like, whatever, man. It's still Under Armour, and I'm not impressed. Like, I'm more impressed with what Draymond Green did off the floor and, and maximizing his value than what Steph did. And I don't, this sounds like Steph hate, and it's not. It's, it's absolutely not. I don't even know no. if it's his fault. But it's, 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 it no, is true. Which, what you are saying is, and you're right, what you're saying is Steph has allowed his game to speak for itself. And his game right. shouts so loudly that it's brought him to the top of the mountainside. But if you are an agent and you're allowing your the players whom you represent game to speak for itself, then you're not an agent. You know, that's, that's <laughs> the exact thing that you're supposed to. Be and doing. chances are so that those players, say, their game, they're not going to, quote unquote, break the game the way that Steph did. Right. And so that if they do want their games to speak for themselves, like it's not going to be as loudly spoken as the way Steph's game spoke for itself. Right. Steph such goes to like awesome, unique brand. player. He hands some brand new rookie, you know, some piece of shit shoe that no one's ever heard of ever. And he's like, great news. You know, you have your own shoe. All you have to do is completely change the sport. And this thing is going to become crazy successful. So go ahead. I've done my job. Now you go and make <laughs> us really rich. Um, okay. I'm, I want to open it up to some questions here. We got one more question that we're going to get to, and then we're going to open it up to some questions. We have one speaker request. So if you have another question, just request to speak here on the green room app. Um, you just hit that little raise hand button and then we will do our best to get to you. Uh, the comments brand, by the way, are just arguing about Davion Mitchell, which I knew would happen. Like this is the internet warriors, warriors, Twitter, warriors, internet is it's so polarized on Davion Mitchell. It's, it's hilarious to me. Um, all right. Last question before we get to some listener questions. 
Uh, we are recording this the day after National Nude Day and National Mac and Cheese Day. Which one did you celebrate? <laughs> Both, Wes. I mean, obviously, I sat naked eating mac and cheese, and it was an incredible day. Can we, like, is who can I contact? Is there, like, a local congressman or, like, some local government that I can shoot a letter to saying, can we calm down on the national days? Like, do we really need a national day for everything? Why would you need a national naked day? Why does that, why would people even know about that? Why would it exist? These are the kind of things that make me angry, Wes. And I I need some answers because it just doesn't make any sense. So I actually watched like a news report on this a couple years ago. And I don't know if this is exactly accurate, but there is like a national day calendar. And I'm pretty sure they're just in charge of this. And for some reason, we've just let it be so like the government has no say on this. Like, it's not a thing that the like the federal government or localized governments deal with. Uh, surprisingly enough, they I guess they have other things that they're trying to do. But um, I, I it, it's just like this company, basically, that just took it upon themselves. to do. I'm pretty sure it was National Tape Measure Day at some point this week. Like, I don't know why we need that. I don't know, like, the tape measure lobby is just like, we need a day, and damn it, it better be in the middle of July. Because we're going to boost our sales every July 14th. We are going to sell a bunch of tape measures. And right like, I don't know what it happened, is. a bunch of naked people ran into the room and was like, well, you're going to have to wait your turn, because today is National <laughs> Naked Day. And I know that uh, the mac and cheese people have a day, too, so slow your roll. My only, uh, my only question for you about your celebration, what, uh, elbows or shells? <laughs> elbows i refuse to even acknowledge shells i don't think that they should exist and it's not even really macaroni you know it's got to be elbow to be macaroni that's shells and cheese and it shouldn't be eaten um i like the little twisty ones do you know what i'm talking about i don't know what they're called uh, do you know what I'm ta- I, like the corkscrew shape i do uh, here's some deep pasta knowledge for you fusilli i believe those are called that's the kind of intelligence i bring to the table wes um okay do you have any other questions, Bram, that you want to throw at me? I'm going to go through the comments. If you guys have a question and don't want to talk to us directly, you can ask a question here in the comments. Let's see here. Here's Jake. Does Kawhi injury change the roster construction? I guess maybe I, – I suppose the, the idea would be that you don't have to guard against Kawhi anymore. I don't know. I still think that you know you want big wings regardless. Is there a, ch- a portion of you, Wes, that hopes secretly – the Clippers are in much more disarray than is currently being reported and that the Warriors have a shot at someone like Paul George, or am I just being unnecessarily optimistic? I don't think anybody has a shot at Paul George. I think he's happy in LA. If Kawhi leaves, he'll be like, yo, I was the man for most of the, like the, the, the final playoff run here, you know, put some help around me. Like, why do you got to build around Kawhi build around me? I was a top five MVP candidate a couple of years ago. Like I can do this. Uh, I think Paul George stays with the Clippers and here's a hot take. If I'm another team, I'm not touching Kawhi. Forget it. I'm done, man. Like, these injuries, at some point, we really have to talk about it. Like, this load management stuff isn't – we can knock him for it, but it is clearly necessary for him to even get through a season healthy. He has to load – like, there's not another – I don't see the other side of this with him. Like, he's going to take games off during the regular season. He's not – he's not like a leader the way that you need your best player to be. We've seen this time and time again. I don't know. I just like, look, he could slip into the Warriors situation. I'm sure he'd be great because he doesn't have to be the leader of that locker room and he could just do his thing. But I don't know, man, I would, I would, it is not a slam dunk. Like 
bet the farm, all chips on the table, go get Kawhi the way that I think other superstars are. And I think Kawhi could be the best player in the league on any given night. But on any given night, he can also just be like, my hamstring's sore, I'm not playing. So, I, uh, I mean, definitely a hot take. If, if Kawhi was available and all of your concerns are legit because you would have to put everything on the table in order for him to come here. Um, but if he was out there, I'd, I'd make a move. I, I'd be willing to take the chance. And there's no reason to believe that he is available. But with that kind of talent, that kind of upside, that kind of fit here, yeah, I'd, I'd give him anything they wanted, not named uh, Steph Clay and Draymond. JJ writes in, this will be our last one. Has the Warriors management tipped their hand in the direction that they're going with the draft, whether to trade the picks completely, trade back in the draft, or comfortable drafting where they're at? Um, I believe this when Bob Myers says it publicly because it's the sentiment that's echoed every time I talk to anybody in the organization off the record or whatever, but uh, they really are keeping all their options open. It sounds cliche and just sort of like a non-answer, but it's true. They don't, they really don't believe that they have to make a decision until they're on the clock on draft night on July 29th. <laughs> and that's the way they operated last year, right? With James Wiseman, they were very comfortable taking Wiseman at number two. They had made that decision going into the day. They actually had made that decision about a month before the draft, but um, that's not to say that they weren't taking phone calls and weren't open to trading back or whatever it might be. Uh, I think the Warriors will be the same thing this year. I do think that they, they have tipped their hand less about who they like this time around. But I also think that's I don't know that that's on purpose. It might just be, hey, you're picking number two. You kind of know who's going to be available. You're going to take one of three guys, right? Like last year we knew it was Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman. Like the entire job of the Warriors was just sort of rank those guys in order. And whoever yeah. went number one, you just took whoever was the highest on your board. Now it's, there's a lot more uncertainty. There's six teams ahead of you. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if they're going to trade back, trade around, trade out. You have no if people are going to leapfrog you. You have no idea what's going to, what it's going to look like. So things are a little more open. And you have two picks. So there's other opportunities to package those things together. And they have weirdly more assets now than they did last year. So there's other op options for trading out, trading back, trading up, et cetera. So uh, it's not a lack of trying to tip their hand or whatever. I don't think they were trying to tip their hand last year. I just think it was really obvious what they were thinking. Um, now it's just a lot, there's a lot more questions in the air and they don't know where they're going. Like you have to, I guess you have to have an idea of what you're going to do in order to tip your hand. And I just don't think they, I think they have an idea of what they want to do, but they don't really know what they're going to do because they're not going to know until draft night. Right. End this with an exclamation point, And it's an unfair question given what you just said. So let's hedge it. This is going to change. This will change a hundred times. I'll ask you this again next week, but as of right now, today, who do you think the Warriors would take at number seven? Still think it's Davion Mitchell at number seven. Yep. I have no reason. To, I know they like him. I know there are reports out there that they're split. Okay. Like, fine. They're split on all these guys, by the way. Like, that's just the way it is. That's another one of those things where it's like, oh, they're split. They don't like him. No, that's not what that means. I mean, some people have him ranked really high, and some people have him ranked a little bit lower, and that's it. And they're going to come to some sort of consensus. But given who has the final say and what this – he needs and based on what I think is going to be on the board at number seven, because I still think the top six guys end up going in the top six in some order. Um, yeah, I would, if I had to put money on it, I would bet Davion Mitchell. Now that's not me reporting anything and that's not me really knowing. I just, if I, if I had to put money down on it, I would probably put my money on Davion Mitchell going seven to the Warriors. 
Yeah, if, if I had access to that big calendar you were telling us about, I would mark down July 29th as National Davion Mitchell Day for Warriors fans. But who knows? It'll change. You know, we've, we've got there's a lot of time between now and when the draft ultimately unfolds. So we'll see uh, what extra information we get. Every Thursday is National Five Golden Questions Day. Nobody <laughs> said you can only do one a week or one a year. You know, it's not annual, just national. exactly right join us next thursday and come through with a question i see all of you guys posting questions on there raise your hand and join us and i guarantee you the question will get answered but uh, i guess we'll we'll try that next week bram always a good time chatting hoops with you chatting warriors with you thanks to everybody who listened in live on green room again every thursday at noon and of course you can subscribe to warriors huddle wherever it is that you get your podcast and locked on warriors wherever it is that you listen to your podcast Thanks, all. Huge fun. Talk to you guys soon. Good, good.